This is the Robert Lewis Sermons Podcast, a collection of sermons from Dr. Lewis's time as a teaching pastor at Fellowship Bible Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. The following message is one of Robert's original messages to men on manhood, found here under the series heading, Authentic Manhood. We hope you grow in your faith and love Jesus more as you learn through these teachings. Well, there's a lot of excitement in the air. First time I've ever seen the guys when I've come up to speak and you're kind of leaning on the edge of your chair a little bit. And uh, coming in here early, seeing guys streaming in. Some of you invited your friends and neighbors here this morning. And uh, I want you to know I am very glad that you're all here to talk about a subject that probably interests men more than any other. And that's the issue of sex. And I thought to get us started this morning, I'd read a little statement from Dave Berry. Here's what Dave says. Over the years, I've been harshly critical of the scientific community for wasting time researching things nobody really cares about, such as the universe. With all due respect to astronomers, we don't need to find any more stuff out there. We already have more stuff than we could ever use right here in our garages. We need the scientific community to focus on the topic that is of far greater importance, yet remains a baffling mystery to humanity, or at least guys, sex. Guys think about sex a lot. You know the painting of Washington crossing the Delaware, where the guys in the boat have facial expressions of grim resolve as they approach a battle that will determine their fates and the fate of the American Revolution? You know what those guys are really thinking? They're thinking, are there any women over there in New Jersey? (laughs) But despite several million years of thinking virtually nonstop about sex, guys have made very little progress towards answering such basic questions as, how can you obtain more of it? How much talking is required? (laughs) And what is the role of jewelry? Well, I hope we can do a little different than Dave here this morning. We're going to hopefully make a little progress in the area of sex. As you notice on your outlines, the title is Improving Your Sex Life. And this morning we want to begin by looking at some of the the challenges that revolve around men, women, and sex. And of course, there are major league differences between the sexes on sex. I hope you at least have a hint of that by now as you've gone through life. For instance, in how often we as men think about sex varies greatly with how often women think about sex. We have research that tells us how different we really are in that, but you know, I read that research this last week, but I thought I'd do my own original research by going and talking to my wife about it. So I pulled up alongside her the other day on the couch and said, honey, I know you're a a peaceful phlegmatic and you don't like to hurt people's feelings or anything like that, but, but uh, I want to ask you a question. We've been married 33 years and this isn't going to hurt me. I just, I really want to know. I don't want you to try to make me feel good. I just want you to tell me the absolute truth. And she said, well, what is it? I said, how often do you think about it? She said, think about what? <laughs> I said, how often do you think about sex between you and me? She stopped and she thought about it. Then she got a little grin. And then she looked at me and she said, well, you want the truth? I said, yeah, tell me. Give me the truth. I can take it. She said, maybe once a day. I went, once a day? She said, that's right, once a day. Well, I said, you're average. Because that's what exactly the research says. That on an average day, women think about sex about once a day. On the other hand, guys think about sex about 33 times a day. That's how different we really are. Women think about shopping 33 times a day. But thinking about sex that much, that often throughout the day, let me tell you something, guys. That puts a lot of pressure on us as men. Because what do you do with all those thoughts? And really the key question that's right there on your outline is this. How do you manage your sexuality when you think about it and dwell on it that often? And quite honestly, that's a fair question because any guy knows how powerful his sexuality is on the one hand and how potentially 
lethal his sexuality is on the other hand. So how do you manage your sexuality? It's a good question, and we've all seen ample evidence that if you don't manage it well, if you unleash it un indiscriminately, if you indulge those sexual thoughts without boundaries, then your sexuality can quickly become a WMD, can it? It can become a weapon of mass destruction. And we see that played out before us all the time of guys who had no boundaries and mismanaged their sex life. What it unleashes on guys is betrayal. Not necessarily just betrayal on themselves, but betrayal on the people who love them the most and the girlfriend or the wife who loves them the most. It unleashes disrespect and embarrassment, loss of one's honor and one's reputation, loss of one's wife and family, myriads of pain and heartache, maybe even loss of a job, the spreading of a disease, or maybe even a disease that ultimately inflicts a back on the man, his own death. Regularly we read about those kind of instances in the life of a politician, in the life of a, a, a famous public figure, the life of a businessman, even the life of a preacher. Mismanaged sexuality that blew up the career and the life that you've worked your whole life to establish, and in one instance, it's gone. That's why I call it a WMD. Mismanaged sexuality is a WMD, a weapon of mass destruction in waiting. On the other hand, managed sexuality, I call it a WMG, a wonderful masculine gift, because that's what it is. Sex for a man that's properly focused, sex for a man that's properly directed is a gift from God, and not only a gift from God, but it's a gift from God with no backside bitterness. Listen to this quote. Oh, how beautiful and delightful you are, my love. Your breasts are like clusters, and I will take hold of them. And your mouth tastes like the best wine. Now, that's not a uh, preview of some HBO special. That's a quote from the Song of Solomon in the Bible. Let her breasts satisfy you at all times. Be absolutely drunk with her love. That's not Playboy 519. That's Proverbs 519. Some of you guys are probably thinking, man, I've got to get a Bible today. <laughs> There's good stuff in there. <laughs> And you know what? There is good stuff in there because here's what the Bible shouts. It shouts that sex is a WMG. It's a wonderful masculine gift from God when managed responsibly. Now, I want to say this at the outset before we jump into everything. Because uh, here at the outset, when you're talking about sex management, uh, I need to tell you guys on the front end that I believe sex is best managed within the boundaries of marriage. Now, I know our world does not believe that, but then you can look at our world and the messes that it creates. But in saying that, that presents a challenge for me as a communicator this morning and for the single guy sitting out in the audience, because we're going to dive deeply into sexuality and sex. So I have to make a disclaimer right on the front end, and that is for you guys, I want you to know that I believe that everything that I'm going to say is for you for future reference. Anything that I say that's used outside the boundaries of marriage then becomes a WMD, not a WMG. So I say that just to let you know that what we're really giving you is a sneak peek, but I also want you to know because I've been where you are, and so has the rest of us, that the things I'm going to say, I wish somebody would have told me when I was single. Because it gives me a healthy, clear, and I think correct view of where I'm headed in my life and how I can turn this thing that pulsates within me, this incredible power that I feel every day, how I can manage it wisely rather than making a mess of it. 
So with that said, let's dive in and look at what every husband wishes his wife un understood about him sexually. And since a lot of wives listen to men's fraternity tapes, <laughs> I thought it'd be good to say, listen up, ladies. This is really important stuff. Here's five things that you need to know. Here's the first thing. My sex drive is powerful, persistent, and normal. Did you hear that, Diane? Betty? Somebody want to give me a name here? <laughs> Cowards. My sex drive is persistent, powerful, and normal. And I want my wife to know I'm not weird. I'm just a man. I'm not a sex fanatic. I'm normal. I've got 1,300 guys in here to prove it because we're all pretty much the same. Research has demonstrated that men are wired to regularly feel the need for sex. We're wired that way. It's a strong impulse within us. We are physically oriented creatures created by God that way. That was not a mistake. And in marriage, there's always this growing pressure for a sexual release. And once we get it, it's only a short time before we want it again. That's the way sex operates. Again, researchers can tell us because one of the things we're, we're privy to today is a lot of research on this subject, but we know, at least for the average man, he's going to need, need sex probably two to three times a week. That's the average. Some of you less, some of you more, but that's the average. And if a married man misses those moments, there will be this growing pressure, God-given, that will begin to build within him. And if he doesn't have the opportunity to, to express himself sexually, then what will happen is that pressure will turn into feelings of frustration. He'll begin to feel tense. He'll begin to feel uncomfortable and uneasy with his life. And in relationship to his wife, he'll feel those things. That's just the way life will work for him. Years ago, I, and this is a long time ago, years ago there was a TV miniseries called Shogun. Some of you saw that. It starred Richard Chamberlain. He was a Dutch trader who was adopted into Japanese culture, and he was given a woman to be his uh, consort or his wife for a period of time. And right when she joins with him, they're complete strangers, but she comes up to him one night after they've been together just a short time and she says these words to him. She said, are you constricted? He says, what? Are you constricted? Do you need pillowing? And what he discovered is, is that this woman understood a man. She understood that without regular sexual release, <laughs> he would get constricted. That was a good term. Remember, as a young married man, I turned to my wife and I said, this woman knows what she's talking about. <laughs> In fact, I've borrowed that term all these years later, and every so often I'll draw up on the, next to my wife and I'll say, Samurai, seriously constricted. <laughs> and I love it when my wife says, Hustle. <laughs> But there's wisdom there, guys. There really is. That's just the way men are, and that's normal. And it's, and it's really unfortunate for you wives who are listening if some of you don't understand that. Because you don't understand your man. And you don't understand how men are wired. And if you don't give attention to that, oftentimes you're inviting trouble. That's why the proverb says, a wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tear it down with their very own hands. And in this particular area, a foolish woman who's ignorant or unwilling to recognize how men are wired, she can tear her house down with her very own hands. 
Listen to uh, Dr. Kevin Lehman. He's a psychologist. I got to know uh, Dr. Lehman when I lived in Tucson when he was dean of students at the University of Arizona. He's now a best-selling author. He's been featured on Oprah and Good Morning America and all kinds of shows, but he's really wise as a counselor in this area of marriage and sexuality. And he says this, and he's pretty blunt as he says this. Most women underestimate the male sexual appetite. As a counselor, I'm now prepared to tell young women who are contemplating marriage this. If you're not willing right now to make a commitment to have sex at least two or three times a week for the rest of your life with this man, then don't marry him. Boy, that's in your face, isn't it? But that's coming out of a man who, after being with couples and counseling for years and understanding the research, knows that that's just part of who a man is. Our sex drive is powerful. Our sex drive is persistent. Our sex drive is normal. We want women to know that. Secondly, husbands want their wives to know this. Sex is to me what affection is to you. It's my number one need, and one empowers the meeting of the other. A husband's craving for sex is no more selfish than a wife's craving for affection. They're both real, legitimate, healthy, God-given needs. And when they're met, it creates a healthy, happy couple. On the other hand, when those needs are ignored because they're right there at the top of each person's shopping list, each gender's shopping list, right at the top for a woman's affection, right at the top for a man is sex. And when those needs are ignored, there's trouble. Research tells us that most affairs for wives start for one reason, a lack of affection from their husbands. That cadre of items that I gave you a few weeks ago. Research tells us that most affairs are started by men because of a lack of sex, good sex, from their wives. The principle is this, sex is for a man what affection is for a woman and vice versa, and happy is the couple who buys deeply into that wisdom from both sides. Here's how I would diagram it. You got a little diagram in your outline, but here's how I would diagram it. When a man experiences sex with his wife, enjoys her physically, then afterwards, or in the midst of that, and afterwards, he feels extremely close. That's where men feel close to their wives. It's in that physical unity. And then afterwards, it's much easier for him, having been satisfied that way, it's much easier for him than to bless her by giving her affection in the days that follow. In the same way, when a wife receives affection for, from her husband, she feels very close to him, warm, intimate with him. And because of that, she finds it much easier to, give, to, to participate with him willingly in sex later on. You see the circle, how that works? On the other hand, if a man withholds affection from a woman, ignores her, he's too busy, he's too preoccupied, but then he wants sex, the woman deprived might go through it, but she withholds herself because she's not really ready for it. She hadn't had her needs met. And the man not enjoying his wife in sex or feeling his wife is holding, back from her, uh, holding herself back from him or refusing to have sex with him, he'll feel deprived and it's much harder for him to give affection later on to his wife. And then you get this death spiral, don't you? Now look at that for a moment because you know what I call that diagram? The chicken and the egg diagram. You know what I mean? So which comes first? The husband giving affection or the wife giving sex? It's a good question, isn't it? That's always the question in the home. Which comes first? I have an answer for you. I want to point you back to session one. 
It's the paradox principle. That's how I'd answer it. If you want to live a lot, then you're always going to choose to die a little. And then that's going to make this circle not become a circle of death, but a circle of life. Sex is to me what affection is to my wife. Third, sex for me is a grand oasis in the midst of everyday life. I think every guy will feel this. It's a place where I can escape and still experience moments of pure fun. Am I speaking truth here, guys? Isn't sex just moments of pure fun? A moment where, if I can use an old Beatles song, all my troubles seem so far away. Where I can just enjoy blissfully the wife of my youth. You know, you see guys all the time wanting to go back and recapture youth because life, when you get in your middle ages, starts feeling heavy and so, re so responsible. And so you see guys, you know, want to go back and, and act like a kid again. The truth is when they do, it kind of looks strange because you can't go back to high school. You can't go back to high school football as much as a lot of us would like to or high school basketball or those fun things we did when we were in high school. You can't go back to college and the fraternity. You can't go back to, if you're married, to acting like a single guy when on any whim you could pick up and spontaneously do something. You can't go back there, but you can go back to the wife of your youth. You can go back to that original sexuality, and if you've been, if you've been encouraging it all through those years, there is nothing more fun than having a romp with your wife under the sheets or on top of the sheets or in the hot tub or under the dining room table or for real fun on top of the dining room table. Right? It's just a moment where life is good. All my worries for a moment, they're off my back. And I can just have pure fun. That's what sex is for a man. Fourth, satisfying sex reassures me in my manhood. I'd want my wife to know that. At a primal level, it just reassures a man he can perform. And we men are performers. We're action figures. We want to know that we're good at something. And all through life, we're measuring ourselves both at work and at home by our performance. And you know, sometimes we don't perform well. Sometimes we get beat up during the week at work. We lose the big sales contract. The boss is on our back. We're not performing well there. Life doesn't feel good. We're, we, we've lost the, that big sale. We're behind in our bills. And on top of that, I went out and played golf today with the guys and got drilled. And then I come home, and my wife responds to me sexually. And suddenly, I feel good about myself again. I can do it. I feel re-energized. I'm not a wimp. I'm not a loser. I'm a man again. I can do it. And because of the energy of that intimate moment, I'm ready to tackle the world again. Oh, if women only knew the power that that injects into a man's life when rightfully done. I'd want my wife to know that. That in those moments, even when life is tough on me, moments with her reassure me in my manhood. And finally, we husbands wish our wives knew this, that real sexual fulfillment for me is impossible unless I can sexually fulfill you. There's no greater lie in the universe than the one that sometimes is perpetrated in small circles of women that all men want is sex to please themselves. That's simply not true. For every husband deep down, his real need, his deepest masculine need in the bedroom is to please his wife sexually. And when he does that, and when he knows he's doing that, and when she tells him he's doing that, sex goes way past 15 seconds of personal intimacy and personal ecstasy. When, she feel, when he feels that from her, that she's responding to him, there's a deep sense of masculine fulfillment that I did it, I can perform 
in a way with a woman that pleases her, and that makes me feel like a man at the deepest levels. It's the gold medal for men in sexuality when they please their wives, and wives need to know that. Well, those are five things, kind of five starters that I wish wives knew about every husband here. But what about our wives? What, would, what do we need to know about them? Let's turn to them for a minute because that's really where our focus is in this series that we're going through at men at home and at work. At the top of the list, here's what I'd want you to know. I'd want you to know about a special aphrodisiac for women, for wives. It's right there on your outline. It's called Before Play. The feminine Viagra. Here's the key principle behind it. Husbands need sex to feel close to their wives, but wives need daily closeness to feel like having sex with their husbands. And here's what daily closeness looks like, the kind that's sexually stimulating to a wife. And you'll go, gosh, that's odd. It is odd, but it's the truth. Here's what it is. First, reassure her with words and displays of affection. One guy, one wise guy here in the room, took the initiative and did that this last week. And his wife was so excited. I've never met this couple, never have talked to this woman before. She was so excited, she called me on the phone. And she came home, and, and, and the guy had poured out his heart on a note about how much he loved her. And she told me, this is a man who for the last 10 years has never really expressed anything revealing of how he feels in his heart about me. And he did that for the first time. And she was absolutely out of her mind, thrilled. Now let me tell you, she's warming up. She really is. He, he has struck gold in the relationship of understanding how to deal with a woman. Reassure with words and displays of affection. Secondly, daily practice the romance of one little sacrifice. One little sacrifice. It might be helping with the dishes. It might be putting the kids to bed at night, saying, why don't you just stay here and watch TV? I'll put the kids to bed. Maybe something as simple as fixing something that she's asked you to do that you've been putting off. But those little things register deeply in the psyche of the feminine mind and heart. Give her regular focused attention. You don't have to even go out on a date. You can do that tonight just simply by turning off the TV for one hour and turning to your wife and say, let's talk. And when you do that, sex begins, whether you know it or not. Speak her love language often. By now, you probably ought to know, if you've at least done the application project, you ought to know what that, that is. Surprise her with a gift that's out of the ordinary, a note, flowers, a surprise getaway. Surprise her by initiating something that, that she likes to do. Just asking the question, what does she like to do? I remember a few weeks ago before Arkansas played Texas in the big game up in Fayetteville, I talked to a guy who loves the hogs. And I said, man, are you going to the game this week? And he said, well, no, I'm really not. And I was shocked because I know how much this guy loves the Razorbacks. And I said, well, what are you going to do? He said, well, I'm taking my wife to the symphony that night to hear some Italian guy I've never heard of sing that she loves. And I kind of stepped back and said, man, I'm really sorry. <laughs> and, he, and he looked at me and he kind of smiled. He said, well, you know, I'm not. He said, I know how much that means to her. And uh, I'm willing to let that go. And boy, I just kind of started quivering and said, you are a giant of a man. <laughs> you are. Because this, this guy gets it. He gets it and he's surprising his wife out of the ordinary. And that registers deeply as affection in the life of a woman. Seventh, stay actively involved in loving your children. If you have kids, guys, this is one. I, I've always noticed that when I go out of the way to do things with my kids, uh, maybe take them out on a little special little date themselves or get extra involved on a birthday or something or be a part of some of the issues in their life and dad comes in and kind of helps them work through it, 
I found that over 33 years of marriage, a direct corollary between moments like that when I'm really loving the kids and how my wife responds to me sexually. Because when I love the kids, I'm loving her at the deepest level. And when I love her at the deepest level, she wants to love me at the deepest level too. Then finally, number eight, keep your relationship free of unresolved conflict. <clears throat> we talked about that last week, but unresolved conflict kills. It kills any sense of responsiveness sexually between a husband and a wife. If it's cool in your relationship, it's going to be frosty in bed, I can assure you. So now, here's what I want you to do. Look at those eight things, guys, for just a second. Look over them, those action points you just filled out on your outline, and here's what I want to burn into your brain. It's letter C on your outline. All the above is the beginning point of sex for every wife. It's the feminine Viagra before play. And when you give it, you'll get it. It's a fair exchange. That's the way the world turns. And it's how a good marriage and a growing healthy sex life mesh together. You're giving the right things and you're receiving the things you want most. It's kind of like what one guy told me who gets it. He said this, and I even put it down on your outline because it was a fun phrase to remember. If you want things to come alive at night, you've got to die a little during the day. That's really true. Ah, yes, the paradox principle lives, doesn't it? Well, let's go on and explore how we can help our wives enjoy sex with us. What's our part in helping our wives along? I want to give you three perspectives that I think will really help you in partnering with your wife and even encouraging her in this very intimate area that's really most important to you. Here's the first thing. And this is primarily for you guys who are younger married men. Start with the perspective that my wife and I are not at the same place sexually. There are four stages in sex. There's arousal. There's lovemaking. There's intercourse. And there's orgasm. Those are the four stages that we cycle through. But in each of those four stages, a woman is vastly different than a man. And one of the great mistakes men make in regards to their wives, especially young married men, is they think that we're pretty similar in each of those four stages as we engage each other sexually. But here's what I want you to know. Even in a sexually liberated age like ours, and I'm, listen, I know what's going on out there. I'm not naive. But even in a sexually liberated age, here's what I want you to know. Many wives, young wives, intermarriage, sexually inexperienced. And you go, what do you mean by that? Well, here's what I mean. Research tells us that many wives, even wives who come into a marriage who've been sexually active, and listen to this, guys, have never been sexually aroused. They've never experienced true sexual arousal. And you go, oh, that can't be true. I mean, you know, with all that's going on out there. No. Researchers know better. And here's why. Because true sexual arousal for most women requires safety, security, a sense of deep trust and protection, in a committed relationship that they think is going to endure. And though there are women, single women out there, having sex because they think it's the cool thing to do because cultural pressure in the world says you have to do it and all that, while they're participating and the guy thinks everything is great, the girl is participating, but she's not in it. Her heart's not there. She's going through the motion and the guy is totally being deceived in many cases. Now, for young wives coming into marriage, you're thinking, you know, when you first begin to sexually interact with one another that she's right where you are arousal-wise. And the truth is, 
is that she's not. Research also shows that many women, many young women entering marriage have never had an orgasm. They don't even know what that is. I mean, they know what it is in theory, but they have never experienced that personally. And so they enter marriage, marriage understanding that idea only as an idea. Orgasm to them is still unknown territory. And so on the honeymoon, for instance, the man assumes that his bride is the same, uh, sex for uh, he and his bride is the same. Because afterwards they both smile, they come back from the honeymoon and everybody says, oh, how was it? And everybody goes, great. The wife says, great. The young married man says it was great, but it's great for different reasons. He was thrilled. He got to do it. She was thrilled because she got through it. And, and she's legitimately thrilled. But she's on a different plane than where the man is. And this young married man doesn't have a clue. I sure didn't. But the truth is they're in vastly different places. The truth is she doesn't begin enjoying sex in that relationship called marriage at the same level as her husband. <clears throat> He's finally getting an experience that he's familiar with. Guys are very familiar because it's, it's, just, it's just territory they've been through. Arousal, they understand that. They can immediately be there. They understand lovemaking. They understand intercourse. And they understand what an ejaculation is. They've been through that. It's familiar territory and will stay familiar all the way through those married years. But she, on the other hand, she's just beginning. Arousal may not fully be blossomed. Oh, she can make the movements in bed. She can have the sex. But in those territories, without the arousal, she's maybe just kind of working her way through, and then maybe there's no climax at all. In fact, for a lot of women, they don't even necessarily need that to really enjoy lovemaking. Guys don't understand that. But here's what I want you to know. After you're married, if you can understand you're not at the same place, after you're married, you need to know as a husband that you are the person who helps your wife get to where God wants her to be sexually. You're the one who helps her get there. You're her partner. You're the one that holds her hand, so to speak, and leads her into a better place sexually. Your loyalty, your sensitivity, your patience, your protection, your attentiveness, your willingness to understand, you willing to let it take time, young married men. If you understand these two things I've just said, your willingness to do those things, if you do that, then over time she will blossom sexually. And in time, as you are married together, what's going to happen is your sexual intensity that started high and remained high for a number of years, it will start to wane later on. That's why Viagra is a billion-dollar industry. On the other hand, your wife's sexual intensity that started lower, maybe for some real low because they're totally inexperienced, and the virgin is really inexperienced, it will start low, but given the sensitivity and understanding of her husband, not forcing anything too quickly, being patient and attentive, over time, her sexual intensity will rise. And at some point, her sexual intensity will go above the man's in many cases. In fact, research tells us that after couples have been married for a number of years, in 30 to 40% of the homes of America and in couples who've been married for 15 or more years, the wife actually enjoys sex more than the husband. But that's because... She's had attention given to her in time, and she grows over that time into a fully sexually experienced woman. And, and, it's, and it's good for you young married guys to know that and help your wives get there. Here's a second perspective we all need to know as men. Keep the perspective that arousal is the key to your wife's sexual experience with you. Remember those four stages? Arousal, lovemaking, intercourse, orgasm. 
for the woman, the most important one, the key to everything is the first stage, arousal. Because without arousal, a husband may get his wife's body. She's much more complex than you. You may get her sexually, but she's not going to be there with you. Her body is, but her heart and soul isn't. And if your number one need is to please her sexually, which I believe that it is, then if you don't have that, you'll sense that. And though you climax at the end, you still feel a little unfulfilled because you, you know, you sense, you can feel it. She's not really there with me. And that will hurt rather than please. Arousal is the key to everything for a woman. But a woman's arousal is much more complex than a man. But to help us, I want to dumb it down. Okay? So here's how I just want you to, this is an easy little formula to remember. Here's arousal for a man. We all know this. Arousal for a man takes 10 seconds. Now, I'm, I'm actually kidding, but it's close to that. We're like microwave ovens. You know, your wife steps out of the shower and you push the button inside yourself. You're at full bore. You know, you're sitting there at the dinner table and she leans over in a low cut brows and you go, you're ready. Isn't that right? That's us. That's men. That's fun. Doesn't work that way with a woman. Arousal for her. 10 points. <laughs> ah, yes, these are wise men here. You immediately knew what I meant. Remember the scoring system? See, arousal for her is you took out the trash, one point. You gave her a hug before you went to work, one point. You drove the carpool, one point. See, and somewhere along the line, you're going to build up enough points in her complex, relationally gridded system and when you hit 10 points, ooh, she's ready. <laughs> that is the way it works. But here's what I want you to know, guys. Arousal is the key. And then finally, here's the last perspective. Last perspective. Establish a track record of being safe in bed. Now, I'm going to go a little long here, guys, so just relax. This is a lot to say in one session. But I think we need to have it all in one session. But establish a track record of being safe in bed. Because the more you provide safety in bed, the more your wife can relax and abandon herself to you. And that's important. So here are five suggestions for establishing safety. Here's the first. Never force anything. Never force anything. You can be creative in bed, and that's good. But, but forced creativity wounds and it will take sometimes months or maybe years to pull back from forced creativity. And you'll pay a price for that. Trying to force your wife into some orgasm because you think that's the way it's got to be. When she can enjoy sex even without that. Which you don't understand and I don't. But she does. Is not going to help your relationship long term. It's going to hurt it. So never force anything. Let your wife grow sexually at a pace that she's comfortable with. And if you're providing safety there, she'll want to be more creative in time. She'll like that. But it's because with each new movement or change, she's got a track record behind her with you that's safe, so she's feeling she will stay safe. That's why she's never forced anything. Secondly, stay pain-free. Years ago, I had the opportunity to interview Dr. Ed Wheat. And Dr. Ed Wheat is famous for his best-selling book, Intended for Pleasure, a book on sexuality and sex. And I was sitting with him in his living room, and I asked Dr. Wheat, I said, Ed, what's the one piece of practical advice you would give every married man? And without hesitation, he said, always ensure that your wife is pain-free during intercourse. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I would always use a lubricant. Always. Now, anyone who knows much about sexual intercourse knows that when a wife is aroused, she lubricates in her vagina and that kind of thing, and that helps sex. But there are going to be many occasions where it's not going to be enough. And when it's not enough, there's irritation 
and even pain. And when that happens, that puts a little doubt in the wife's mind. So the next time she enters into that and you're approaching the intercourse stage, she's thinking, am I going to be lubricated? And what that does is that holds her back. That keeps her from being fully abandoned to you, especially you young guys. With an inexperienced wife, you're going to find that's the case. And every time it becomes irritating to have sex, then that kind of is a step back in your sexual relationship. So I would recommend, as Dr. Wheat in his wisdom recommended to you, that you always have a lubricant for any sexual intercourse so she can relax and enjoy and know that it's going to be pain-free. Third, know what she likes and what she doesn't. And the best way to do that is to ask her, honey, does this feel good? A little communication during sex is a really healthy thing. I mean, most of the time you don't talk a lot, but, you know, does this feel good? She can tell you. And you need to give her permission to tell you what she likes and what she doesn't. That's very helpful. And the best married couples don't guess in sex. Because when they guess, eventually the guy's going to guess wrong and do something that's going to hurt or whatever. And then that's going to create doubt. So just create a little communication. Because in lovemaking, if you have a few little directives, a few little directive remarks is the difference between good sex or ordinary sex and great sex. So communicate. Fourth, don't rush through sex or overly concentrate on hot spots. In their insightful book, The Gift of Sex, Clifford and Joyce Pinner make this remark, and I think it's very good. They say this. One pattern typically practiced by husbands that causes frustration to their wives occurs when a man finds a place that is arousing to his wife and becomes attached to it and stays there. Women we speak with regularly ask us to tell their husbands two things. And they're talking about thousands of women they've talked to. And women say, here's something you can tell my husband that would help. Two things. First, don't be in such a hurry during sex. Let's enjoy one another because the wife's view of sex is relational. So enjoy one another. And second, and I thought this was interesting, not to stick with hot spots until they're worn out. Most wives find stimulation much more arousing when it's varied in terms of its intensity and its location. She may tell you this really feels good and you'll stay too long. So the key is, guys, move around. Stay creative and move around. You can know what it is, but take your time and keep on the move. And wives tell all of us men, that's what I like. That's what I like. And then finally, use words to compliment and reassure your wife because she's learning too. When she does something well, tell her and encourage her. Well, there you have it. How to improve your sex life. Now I want to finish with two things, just two final thoughts. First, Men, you are the keeper of your sex life. So take responsibility for it. And here's how you can take responsibility for it. Here's just some reminders. First, always remember, you get what you give. It's the law of life. The golden rule is also the golden rule for sex. Give, and it'll be given to you. Never forget that. And if your sex life is fading or not doing well, don't blame your wife. Your first move ought to be to look at yourself and asking this question, am I giving her what she needs? Because invariably, if you are, you'll be getting what you need. Second, initiate conversation about your sexual needs with each other outside the bedroom. Uh, if you'll notice on your Die to Live application project, uh, there's an opportunity to do that this week if you choose. Third, keep growing in your sexual understanding and insight. And you can do that because there are great books on sex that you can read that are available in our bookstore at Barnes & Noble or any of the bookstores around town. Just read because every time I read a book on sex, I always go get an insight that I never even thought of. And it's helped me. Fourth, don't sell out to fantasy. Don't sell out to fantasy. Don't sell out the path to a rich sexual relationship with your wife, masturbating in front of a computer screen. Because when you do that, 
You take your sexual energy towards a lie. And it'll never give you the real thing. The real thing. Which is a rich relationship with your wife. And then fifth, seek outside help for sexual roadblocks you can't work through. Don't, don't just try to ignore them. And then finally, remember this. The best sex is not just an act. It's not just an act. It's two lives in community. And this sex will grow richer and more satisfying with time. You know, research has told us here at the end of the 20th century as it's, as it's interviewed people on who are the most satisfied with their sex life. You know, it's so interesting that the most sexually excited people in life are not the Hugh Hefners of the world. They're not the Hollywood types. They're not the friend that you know who has a different woman every weekend. You know who it is? Here's what research tells us. The best sex in America comes out of the home of a married couple who've been faithful and attentive to each other for 10, 15, 25 years or more. Those are the most sexually excited people in America. And you know why? Because sex is not just an act. Sex is the celebration of two committed lives to one another. And when they're committed to one another that way, it's not just two bodies coupling, it's two souls. And there's mystical language that takes place when those two souls come together as the two bodies come together. And that's a secret that our world just doesn't get. But the person who's been committed 10, 15, 20 years and they really love each other, they get it. And when they come together, there's all kinds of sparks physically and mystically that occur in this union of bodies and souls because sex is not just an act. Sex is a celebration of two lives. Believe it. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's message. It really helps us when you rate and review this podcast. If you found today's teaching helpful, take time to do that today. This podcast was produced by the team at Sound of a Rose. Visit soundofarose.com for any of your podcasting needs.